Hi everyone, it's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about Celine, a podcast recently launched on the RQ Network. Step into Celine, a city cloaked in darkness and teeming with horrors. From evil headmistresses to murderous marionettes, black worm parasites, haunted hotels and eerie sleepwalkers. Meet the paranormal investigators of Needle Street, newly arrived to battle the encroaching malevolence. Inspired by Poe, Edward Gorey, and Agatha Christie, their adventures promise twisted mysteries and unforgettable characters. Immersive audio brings the city to life, blending dark humor with bone-chilling suspense. Join the investigators as they navigate Celine's shadows, where mystery and intrigue await at every turn. Experience the thrill of Celine in Dolby Atmos. That's S-E-L-E-N-E. Or visit www.rusticquill.com for more information. Hi, everyone. Alex here, just letting you know that this episode is sponsored by Euphony and their brand new sci-fi audio drama podcast, Crypto Z. Crypto Z is set in a deeply immersive, fast-paced, futuristic world where ICC agents are risking everything to restore life on the planet. The first season follows Jane Silver, a cryptozoologist who is deployed on a tense mission to track and capture a human-like creature, the mesmerising and menacing Iceman. Prepare to be transported into the wilderness with Jane as she ascends through the Alps and comes face to face with her quarry. This podcast has been created by New York Times best-selling novelist Danielle Trussoni and award-winning filmmaker Hadrian Royan, and it is a whirlwind of action and suspense from episode one. Crypto Z is launching right now, so why not head over and subscribe via your favourite podcatcher? Just search Crypto Z, that's C R Y P T O hyphen Z, or follow the link in the show notes to today's episode. Rusty Quill presents The Magnus Archives Episode 166 The Worms going to talk about it or what's to talk about what happened back there what you did to say go on say it what you did to that thing I killed it I finally have the power so I killed it yeah but like how I'm I'm sorry, I just don't understand what actually happened. I... It's hard to put into words. Look, look, can we talk about it later? We're coming to a domain of the buried, and I would really rather... Did you... Look down, Martin. Oh. 
Wait, what? Don't get too close. Hello, Helen. Oh, hello! In a better mood, are we? Feeling more secure now you've learned how to kill? Something like that. Will you tell me how he did it? Martin. He just keeps going all vague about it. Oh, goodness. You see what you've done to the poor boy, John? He's coming to me for clear answers. <laughs> Shut up. It's very satisfying, though, isn't it? Teasing out vague information. You see why Elias got a kick out Shut of it. Shut up! John. You're right. Martin. He is tetchy. I didn't say he was So, so an explanation. <laughs> From little old me. Do you mind, John? I... Go right ahead. We're all here, Martin. The stranger, the buried, the desolation, all of us. But the eye still rules. All this fear is being performed for its benefit. And so there are now exactly two roles available in this new world of ours. The watcher and the watched. Subject and object. Those who are feared and those who are afraid. And John, well, he is part of the eye. A very important part. And he is able to, shall we say, shift its focus, turn the one into the other. And for those of us whose very existence relies on being feared well, to be turned into a victim destroys us utterly and very, very painfully. Enough. Yes, I suspect so. Sure, okay. That's, I mean, that's really not that complicated, John. I don't see why you were being so coy Because about I'm ashamed, Martin. Ashamed? Yes. Ashamed of the fact that I destroyed the world and have been rewarded for it. The fact that I can walk safe through all this horror I've created like a fucking tourist, destroying whoever I please. The fact that I enjoyed it and the fact that there are so many others that I still want to revenge myself on. No. No, I actually think you're good on that front. What? Yeah, I, I, I think we should go for it. Get our murder on. Sorry, what? Yes, Martin. This isn't like it was before. We're not talking about innocent bystanders in cafes here, John. These things are... They're just evil. Plain and simple. And right now they're torturing and tormenting everyone. If you want to stop them and have the power to, then... Then, then yeah, let's do it. Let's go full Kill Bill. I, I, I haven't seen it. Oh, Martin, I am so proud of you. Can I come? No. no. So that's a strong maybe then? John? Are you... We've been close for too long. I need... Uh... You might want to take a walk. And I'll take that as my cue. Well, I'll see you Avenging Angels later. Don't be strangers. <laughs> Do you need anything? Right, I'll just... Yeah, right. Down, 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 down. Down below the earth, there was a worm. He had not always been a worm, of course, but time and tide and life had pushed him to it. His name, he dimly recalled, was Sam 
and he was, as definitely always had been the case, trapped, bordered on all sides with no escape and no recourse. Even in his faint and fading memories of a life that wasn't simply stone and rancid, reeking soil, he wasn't sure he had ever known a thing that might be called freedom. Choices he had had, that's true, and certainly compared to the relentless press of all the weight and dirt now on him, the simple choice of left or right or stand or sit would now seem the most outrageous of luxuries. But at the time, there was no joy in such decisions, for though he could point his feet left, it was a rightward turn that led him to the place where he could scrape a meagre living, and while he could choose to sit, it rarely made the news any more pleasant to hear. When had the crushing pressure in his chest become literal? When had the empty promise of the horizon finally vanished completely, replaced by the pitch darkness of this forever wall of earth? Sam did not know. Time had no meaning here. There were no clocks or watches, and somewhere in his mind he was sure that the world had stopped spinning. His prison was still. Even that single, distant point of light so impossibly far above him that he had decided that it must be the sky, even that never darkened with the recognition of night. His existence was static and eternal, immutable. Sleep was only a memory, because even the prospect of unconsciousness might have made his present state slightly more bearable. Food as well, he knew, must be a thing, for he could feel the hunger, but his imagination failed to picture it. The only smell he knew was the damp and the dirt. But these things, grim and fearful as they were, were not unfamiliar. The aching hunger was not new, not simply a gift of the eager soil. He had flashes of an empty belly not assuaged by hands, cracked and calloused from long, grim hours of labour. There was a shadow in his mind of sleepless nights, spent toiling, tired and shaking, desperate for some relief from the relentless pressure that crushed the life of the man who had been Sam, before he was a worm. And a worm he surely was, for what else could spasm, crawling limbless through the ground, millimeter by millimeter making its lonely way towards some secret destination no human could understand? Perhaps he did still have arms or legs or the luxury of both, but down here it was impossible to tell, pressed so close together that to draw a line between a torso and a folded bending limb was pointless. If it moves like a worm, thinks like a worm, and screams its awful agonies towards the distant taunting sky like a worm, well, the conclusion is obvious. Sam's pale, mottled worm flesh pressed and squeezed its way ever forward, ever upwards. Or so he hoped, so he begged. The light was there, it was always there. So small and far it might have been a single pinprick in a pitch-black curtain. Just enough to remind him he had eyes, starved and hollow though they were. Just enough to remind him that there was such a thing as sky, that the endless open air existed. 
enough to kindle in him the fear that he might never see it again. Worms don't get to see the sky. If he had slept, he would have dreamed of it, of flying through the light and unchained breeze, mocking the ground that he had always and forever escaped. Another good reason he was not allowed to sleep. Sometimes, when he bent his neck and gazed longingly upwards towards the light, he could feel something looking back, its vision stretching out and down and through the opaque mud to touch him, drinking in his panic and discomfort as he tried yet again to push himself up and out. He would call then, desperately imploring the very thing that reveled in his suffering to end it. As he did so, he sometimes remembered dimly other pleas made in the open air to other forces keen to profit from his degradation. Forces of paper and ink and decimal points. But such memories are brief and gone as Sam's lungs fill once again with sod. His scream, though short, echoes up and through the rough-hewn tunnel joined as it rises with the cries of a hundred others erupting from the holes that pockmark the rotten field in a cacophony, a stomach-churning harmony of dirt-caked shrieking. Then just as quick as it begins it is done, and the only ones who will ever hear Sam's screams are the ones who have entombed him. Can he feel the warmth from that distant spot of light, a ray of sun down there in the dark? The poor man's not to know the sun is gone, that what now remains is to serve no other purpose than to let this wretched world be seen. A lifeless, hollow illumination barely worth the name of light. But down there in the dark and icy ground, Sam still clings hard to his dream of the sun. And the ground lets him, of course, for what true fear can exist without hope, without the belief that things might change for the better, tug at the knowledge that they will only get worse. When he has the will, when the cold soil around him has been still and silent for long enough, Sam may once again begin his grim and painful climb. Moving, squirming along by the merest fractions of a millimetre afforded by his pressing prison, he claws and digs in what might have once been fingers. The soft earth is always keen to slip away, but sometimes, just sometimes, the tips of those extremities find purchase and he pulls himself a little bit, such a tiny bit, upwards. And as he twists and crawls and wrenches himself up through the hole, in spite of the excruciating slowness, disregarding the scrapes and cuts it opens in his soft and wormly skin, Sam allows himself to dream of what might be at the top. He has long since discarded any hope of joy, but deep down he still believes there may be a place where he does not suffer, as now. And after hours, days, impossible to measure weeks, maybe he has moved a meter. Even more, perhaps, and however bruised and broken his body may now be, he is closer to the sky. Nobody can take that away from him. Until the rains begin to fall. The rains fall here as they do 
So many places in this new world. Thick and oily drops that taste of bitter salt. Torrential tears plummeting from the watching sky, thumping and squelching onto the thirsty soil in which the worms writhe painfully towards a surface that does not want them. The ground softens, shifts, and starts to slip and flow into a torrent of black mud. Deep below, Sam feels rain begin to drip upon his forehead, and he knows exactly what it means. He wants to scream again, but he is so tired by his ascent that the only sound he can produce is a low, defeated wail. And as has happened so many times before in his poor, defeated life, he feels the walls begin to shift and soften as the slippery flood pushes him down, down, down. Deeper, perhaps, than he has ever been before. So deep the light is almost gone, but never is the darkness fully complete. There must always be the distant promise of escape. Sometimes, when his despair is at its peak and the sky seems only there to mock him, Sam changes his direction. He has breathed the mud so long he has no thought of suffocation, and he pushes his face into the walls of his tunnel and starts to try and dig across. He is afraid of what he might find beyond the limits of his own constricted tunnel, but between the fear and the despair he makes his choice and digs. For days or weeks he squirms and struggles through the hard-packed soil, mind dwelling on a pinprick spot of light that he might never see again. What has he done, abandoning the route that has been carved for his emergence? The panic begins to set in and he shudders and weeps slick, muddy tears of his own. But then one day Sam pushes forward and feels his face break through a wall. The earth parts and he finds himself in a tiny sliver of open air. A room, a cavern, a way out. It is only as he slides inside so neatly that he realizes what it is. Another tunnel for another worm. As he falls deeper into it, he finds himself staring at the pale and hairless face of its inhabitant. Poor Sam has no way to know his neighbor's name is Richard, that he once struggled in a life as hard and desperate as his own that his dreams of the light and painful screaming climb towards it is just as keen and grueling. All that matters is that this new worm is facing up, and Sam, because of how he entered the tunnel, is facing down. How do you fight when you cannot move beyond the slowest inching crawl, without limbs or weapons or the kinetic force of violence? You do it slowly, pressing, biting, tearing gradually through each other until at the very end, one of you is still. There is no light, for Sam is faced away from it and blocking it from his opponent. But even were it bathed in stark illumination, no one could have said for sure where the sticky mud ended and the ragged, bloody faces began. A cloying mass of teeth and tears and torn skin as two terrified victims 
slowly chew through each other over a distant hope that neither would ever be allowed to achieve. When it is done, Richard is dead, or quiet enough as makes no difference, and the tunnel belongs to Sam. It is identical to the one that he has left in all ways other than that he had to do an awful thing to get it. And still he faces downwards. He rests there for days, with nothing to keep him company but the remains of his opponent, quietly mouldering, until at last he begins the gruesome task of turning around. The contortions that he undergoes, the bending and the breaking that he subjects his pale, wormish body to, is a greater pain than any he has thought possible, and the snap and pop of bone and sinew echoes to the surface far above. But at last, Sam has his victory. He has claimed another tunnel, and he can see the light. Perhaps this one will be better, will let him squirm up higher. But underneath is still that lurking fear that maybe it is worse. The truth is plain enough, though, even as he fights so hard not to know it. There is no difference, and as the rains begin to fall once again, he knows the world will never let him escape the depths to which he has fallen. Better to keep him buried, neatly away. God, I hate the buried. End recording. I wish the apocalypse had some magazines. Actually, no. Second thoughts, probably not. Mm, def definitely not. Oh, come on, John. How long does it take to describe scary mud? Oh, oh okay, 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 okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Seriously? A spade? Is that not kind of, I don't know, insensitive, given where you are? Fine, fine, fine. Games aren't exactly fun for everyone, are they? Very few games are. Look, 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 I'm talking to Annabelle Kane, right? You never gave me your name, so why should I offer mine? Just, what do you want? I want to help you, of course. No, thank you. It's a hard place to find yourself in. Maybe I can be of some assistance. You can assist me by giving me the 
creepy phone thing arrest. He's more powerful here than he's ever been, isn't he? And you're not sure what that means for you. I'm hanging up now. Does he even need you at all? Bye. I know, right? The Magnus Archives is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike 4.0 International License. Today's episode was written by Jonathan Sims, produced by Lorianne Davis, and directed by Alexander J. Newell. It featured Alexander J. Newell as Martin Blackwood, Jonathan Sims as The Archivist, Imogen Harris as Helen Richardson, and Chioma Nualioba as Annabelle Kane. To subscribe, buy merchandise, or join our Patreon, visit RustyQuill.com. Rate and review us online, tweet us at the Rusty Quill. visit us on Facebook, or email us via mail at RustyQuill.com. Join our community on the Discord via the website, or on Reddit at r slash the Magnus Archives. Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, Alex here. I'd just like to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. Daria Laid Dennison, Grace Ann, Alex Surname, Tegan McCreary, Kieran Coates, Shu, T.A. Fitzlet, Christ Sterling, Evan Cody, Mandy Huyn, Small Medium Problems, Big Carl, Babe Halberstadt, Azana, Nick Oliviero, Anne-Marie Windhorst, Say, Claire Martin, Brooke Griffith, Angela DeFrancis, Rebecca, Emrys, Steph, Emery L, Leah Addison, Brianna Cravero, Rim Saud, Taryn Winnie, James Cunningham, Kaya Lewis Marlowe, Bex, James Ferber, Sammy Yuhas, Creatrix Anime, Hannah Francis, Anna Sparlin, Vasya Hilliard, Ashley Anderson. Thank you all. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com forward slash rustyquill and take a look at our rewards. Hi everyone, it's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about Celine, a podcast recently launched on the RQ Network. Step into Celine, a city cloaked in darkness and teeming with horrors. From evil headmistresses to murderous marionettes, black worm parasites, haunted hotels and eerie sleepwalkers. Meet the paranormal investigators of Needle Street, newly arrived to battle the encroaching malevolence. Inspired by Poe, Edward Gorey, and Agatha Christie, their adventures promise twisted mysteries and unforgettable characters. Immersive audio brings the city to life, blending dark humor with bone-chilling suspense. Join the investigators as they navigate Celine's shadows, where mystery and intrigue await at every turn. Experience the thrill of Celine in Dolby Atmos. That's S-E-L-E-N-E. Or visit www.rustyquill.com for more information.